podcast. Um, it's not an off-season edition because there's no off-season, as I keep <laughs> saying, and triggering myself up. I'm James Smith, and this is Jeff Centenera. How are you going, Jeff? I am very well, James. How are we? Lovely. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Nice and rested from Ex- no... Exactly. Another magazine uh, in the dirt, <laughs> yeah. in the ground. Yes. and uh, Magazines are indeed put in the ground. We just... I don't know from, from your point of view, but we just couldn't fit in a, a podcast last week, could we? Well, we was could it? have, but yeah. <laughs> We've done it before, but you know. It would have been very good. Yeah, no... We, we were, pretty, uh, think about, we we're pretty spent, weren't we? And think about it. It would have come out. It happened right just at the time that the review into Australian cricket was published. Oh, yeah, so yes. we would have, all we would have been talking about, our entire mind space <laughs> was all around, uh, was all around, you know, the gilded bubbles that uh, that, that cut off, uh, yeah, sportsmen from family and friends. Yes. So yeah, and, uh, and that, it would have come to dominate the uh, the, the talk of this uh, of this pod. And how many as, as we do talking about all other sports apart from rugby league, <laughs> yeah. rugby league podcast. Yeah, we we, yeah, we we do that. And how many pages was the review or one of the reviews? A couple hundred, was it? Yeah, like two hundred, two hundred. And yeah. we reduced it down to three words. Three, yeah, we, we got a series of three word <laughs> reviews coming on. Just don't can't, eat. can't wait till we have to. Yeah, <laughs> we get to do one for rugby league. <laughs> don't be idiots. Mm. Just don't be bad on the field and unkind to people and just. Do it all properly. Mm. Could have said that, couldn't we? Do you think cricket cricket would be, mm. knowing the baseball fan that you are, James, do you think these issues would be kind of uh, you know, less of a problem in cricket if they just were allowed to fight? Yeah, it'd solve a lot of problems. <laughs> Get a lot of frustration <laughs> out, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. If you could just have a few batsmen charging bowlers. I love that yeah. thing in, in ice hockey where they go, there you go, you've got two minutes or whatever it is, just go for it and get it, get out, get it out of your system. Whatever you got pent up in you, mm. let's let's all just leave it. <laughs> so says yeah. the, so say the guys who are adamantly opposed to the biff <laughs> yeah. in rugby league. But here's the yeah. thing: you can hit people in rugby league, just not with your fists. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's what my grandfather used to say. He couldn't understand why fighting was an issue in rugby league when yeah. you know you had to tackle people. <laughs> why do you why do you need to you know, why do you need to punch a guy? I'm su- yeah, I'm surprised that that's not a thing, eh? Like, mm. if you really want to get to somebody, why not just smash them in a tackle, was, in a legal tackle? I was yeah. remembering that, uh, you know, already diverged off, you know, the talking points here, but... Uh, Don't matter, it's uh, off-season. Season edition. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, I remember it was a final played between Cronulla and Canberra, maybe yeah. about four or five years ago, in which Josh Papali came out and you could see the intention of blaze brightly on the screen and you know watching on TV <laughs> that he was out to get Paul Gallen in this match. This yeah. is all he was going to do. And he got him with like two of the biggest kind of you would call them cheap shots because Gallen never saw them coming. Yeah. But they were I guess they were legal tackles. Okay. You know, they were there. You just hit him in the back. That's all. That's all. Right. So well he had the ball. And yeah, I was thinking, you know, I'm thinking well no. I well okay. at least so one cheap. maybe and yeah. another one was maybe slightly late. Oh okay. I can't remember you know, <laughs> you know, don't hold me to this, don't fault me, but yeah. No. They were pretty they were pretty solid hits. And I'm thinking, no way any kind of punch could have signaled the, the kind of intent. That yeah, that that he had in in that moment as those as those two big hits. Yeah. So I've never I've never understood, particularly when you know that thing where, yeah. in other sports as they say, like particularly ones where you know you're really reliant on your hands. Like footy players are reliant, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, league players are really reliant on their hands mm. you know, to catch and throw a pass and things like that. Mm. Punching a guy is the fastest way to break your hands. Exactly. So you know, I just I've never understood it. Never understood the impulse behind the biff. But you know, yeah, kind of. Milk, milk toast, uh, you know, kind of um, yeah. white collar professional. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but it's true. It's true. Uh, so the, the show today is going to focus around. We, we mention it all the time, and it's basically a flavour of the podcast each week. But we've never really tackled it by itself head on. So we're going to talk about um, footy and nostalgia, um, and there's a big reason for that, and we'll mention it later on. So, but, but anyway, that's. Um, that's that's the flavour of, of the show, and so we'll start things off by just talking about the most rugby league thing we did. What about yourself? What's what have you been up to? I, I was at a, a dinner. I went out to dinner with uh, effectively, I guess, the, the wife of one of my the wife of one of my wife's friends. Not the wife, 
you know, one of my wife's friends and her husband, and you know, it's always that old play date kind of thing when you when you have to go out with a guy, you know, and you're you're sitting across from a guy you, you don't know. So what do you do? You talk about sport. You, you do that, and you consume as much beer as you can to make it bearable. Yeah, the, the beer was expensive, uh, but anyhow, yeah, <laughs> oh, dear. we we got into it. Yeah, we got into a into a. He's a he, he's a he's a he's a league man from New Zealand. So cool. Kind of yeah, a bit of a spin on things. A Warriors fan for his sins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's also an accountant, and um, one of the things that I did is I, I, I retailed my, my old thing about how I think player salary in the NRL should be um, should be public. Yep. yep. Uh, and I thought that you know my my contention is that there's a I think the salary cap would operate better if if um, uh, if we knew what the players were actually getting paid because okay. then you'd lose all that gray area around well this guy's kind of making this much and this guy's kind of making this much and how do they fit. You know that many number of you know um, uh, rep, rep players onto you know under yeah. the top thirty and, and and what have you, and you know it's, it, uh, I was just making the argument that you know, I believe that sunlight is the best disinfectant. And I think if you just had an entire kind of body of league fans following kind of knowing kind of what you know, what the payroll of each side was, I think it would make it much harder to to, to fudge the edges of you know of uh, of cap management, which so many teams do. And yeah, my uh, this this uh, guy was you know kind of guy was you know, uh, my interlocutor so to speak. He um yeah you know kind of really strongly disagreed with that. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. He, um, I, I found that surprising. That you know. Yeah. That, that, what was his like, main objective? Um, objection to it. That, you know, I mean that. That plumbers so, don't have their salaries. Well, yeah, there's uh, there's, yeah. there's a bit of that. There's this, you know, that, there's yeah. the there's always the discourse or the polite discourse around, you know, not knowing what yeah. you, know, you know everyone else makes, and you thought that it could lead yeah. to like you know real tension among players. Yep. But you know, which it I would, mean, it definitely but, would. You know, even he conceded, and he even made the concession. He brought it up himself that the players already probably know. Do you reckon? Like in the yeah. locker room, yeah. I think the guys already know, and the and the. But between mates, you would hey. But like player, so mates, player 24 on the squad probably yeah. doesn't know what everybody else is making, but mates would discuss it. I reckon the yeah. way they know and yeah. the conduit for the information is the agents. Okay. The player yeah. agents and the player managers would be able to tell you, yeah, this guy's on that. And they don't shut up. But they, wouldn't they? Those guys just talk all the time. Oh, so. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But his, his, yeah. his contention was that, strictly speaking, yeah. yeah Knowing kind of just because you had public salary information, that doesn't necessarily make the cap better enforced. It doesn't because no. because all you have to do is write a figure on a bit of paper. Yeah. Oh, well, I know it's probably more complex than that, but mm. and hand that to the NRL. Look, this adds up to nine point six million yeah. or whatever. He, it is. His argument yeah. was that the audit process is probably is what's more important than this circumstance, and yep. you know the old story about third party deals. And there's an interesting story about Cameron Smith and you know in a, in a dispute over third party deals this yeah. week yeah. with the Storm. Listen, I I disagree. Like my, I've always been kind of adamant about this one. I think the one thing you'd see if we we had public salary information is people would come to understand that, you know, they they say well, you know, the league says that the cap is there to you know ensure kind of an evenness in the competition. Yeah. If people really saw what uh, kind of what these guys were actually getting paid, yep. they begin to understand the ways in which a flat cap is unfair in different places in the competition. Definitely, because right. yeah. that kind of system, mm. you know, uh, embeds an advantage for certain clubs. Yep. And like, I think it, it would be interesting to see, like, if you know, we, we did kind of have like a published kind of you know, payroll, you'd see that, um, you know. A, a rep level player at the Broncos or the Roosters was accepting a third of what he might get kind of at another club. Yep. And that would lead to you know, some questioning about how the system works. Definitely, you're right. And yeah, for, from there, then I, I think reform would be would be quite a bit easier. But right now, because mm. it all just exists. In, anyhow, this is the, you know, this argument which I've made many times over is, is not kind of the important factor. But it was interesting just to kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of see how, yeah, that, that was... Uh, yeah, that that came up as a uh, yeah, as a point of uh, as a point of disagreement. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> something like, I mean, something like that. I, I think most. Uh, I think most kind of. I don't know. I, uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe it's one of those things where I'd like to. I think most people would like to know. I think some, mm. maybe some people wouldn't. I, yeah, I'm I'm um, in that um, camp of, of what you said. Like mm. publishing uh, the salaries isn't going to necessarily make it any more easier to police. I, mm. I think rugby league 
agents and clubs and players that I'd, I'd like to think that they're a lot more a lot sneakier than that and a lot more cleverer than, than to get around something like that I, I just think that's a Pollyanna kind of look, look you know it's just a Pollyanna but, you know, my, solution to my the problem. Ca- my counter argument to that is that you know if you maintain the present system all you're going to do is I, uh, you know you know, as I said, I mean, you and I have worked on this magazine for a decade. Yeah. I can remember, like, cap scandals in the NRL come off like the buses. Yeah. There's one basically every two to three years. But they do catch and play, people. You know, and to me, that's saying that there's something wrong with the system if, you know, if all we're doing is just violating the cap every two, and a major violation of the cap every two to three but, years. But clubs are being caught. It's not as if, it's not as if they're getting away. But with that's it. then, no, that's only the ones you've seen caught. <laughs> it's like the... Uh, what if the yeah. other, you know, what if another half of the league, you know, is just successfully getting by? You know what I mean? It's like saying, oh, they catch drug dealers. So there's, you know, the, the drug trade must be like, you know, must be failing. I don't know. But what about a point? This is, this is going pretty in depth. What about your point system where every player gets... No, I don't like that. No? no? Like that. So you can't have more than 250 points per score? No, because... You, uh, who, who decides I, the who points? Who decides the points, points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then you're, you're basically into a system of... Um, yeah. Those systems tend to be rear-facing uh, you know, rear, yeah, rear in the sense that, oh, we look at what you've done before and that's the number of points we've assigned to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's hard. The, the real question about the cap is oftentimes about valuing kind of future potential. Yep. Like, you know, you... Um, I think kind of sporting teams have kind of got the idea now you don't pay for a guy whose best production was in the past the risks you, that you take are paying a guy who will give you something for the next you know few yeah, years yeah, yeah. and you know, where you make your mistakes of course are the 20 year old who doesn't pan out um, mm. a, a guy who had one good year but his, his, his next few years are either injury riddled or he just kind of underperforms so yeah, yeah. You know, that to me you're into the space of like you know um, this point system I look at like you know the NBL of course famously did something like it it just it, it really it really is just another way of like taking kind of something that we're familiar with which is money yeah. and then creating it's like you know it's almost like cryptocurrency isn't it and then yep. creating this other kind of value system for it so you, you've kind of got these two parallel system of val- systems of value and, yeah. it, and one just has the same so it, it has just an, it has a similar set of problems but just in another area but, but I can't see another solution to um, controlling the cap and keeping players' wages secret. I, I don't know what else there is to, to, to use. Well, cap works fine with published salary information. You know, in the NFL or the NBA. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't think one kind of is dependent on the other. Uh, no, I don't my know. my kind of. Uh, I would think the cap system itself needs to be changed to okay. encourage kind of different. And it has you know it has been altered kind of around the edges. You know. In, in recent years, but I, I do wonder that, um, mm. you know, pati- particularly with this deal and looking at this latest one uh, involving the Bulldogs, I've really become convinced, and uh, maybe I'll find out one of these days, that, you know, kind of clubs systematically uh, look to blow the cap in, you know, three, four, five years down the line and help guys just break contract so they don't end up being yeah. on the hook. I think there'd be a lot of that going yeah. on, a lot of gamesmanship going yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, the club versus the. Anyhow, player, this so. is kind of this is kind of yeah, oh, the point. But you yeah. know, like because your the the most league thing you did was was far more enjoyable. Oh, than, than <laughs> no, this is um since our last podcast, so um, I don't know about a week and a half ago, I had a really good chat with George Rose. George Rose, I hadn't met him before. Mm. Lovely, lovely bloke. Fan of the mag. George Rose loves the mag. Like, <laughs> Does. You know, he once yeah. asked if when we were going to put him on the cover. I was so tempted. Oh, I didn't have the, I didn't have the you know, authority back then to decide whether or not George Rose should be on the cover, but oh, I was so tempted. I was how like, good. <laughs> He's a huge man, as yeah. I'm telling you. One of those blokes that you have to... And I'm not saying fat huge. He's a big human, obviously. Oh, um yeah, had, had to kind of stand back to talk to him. Like, <laughs> I love that way you described him. You had to stand I'm, back I'm to talk to him. Right? And then, I'm, I'm not small either. I'm six feet, just like every, every other bloke. But this guy, like, yeah, blokes our size, you don't get used to sort of looking up to people when you're speaking to them. But this guy, I had to take one or two steps back to get the whole picture of who he was and and um, I don't know if you hang around if you hang out around sportsmen for long enough. I think you do because yeah. they're all they're all statuesque people. But yeah, 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 yeah. I was just asking him what he does these days, and uh, mm. he um, sort of goes around the NRL clubs checking in on all the uh, Indigenous players and oh, right, making yeah. sure they're all right. And, yeah, you know, and um, because of, and he gave me a really good insight into 
um, the life of, of a league player. Um, and we'll have to interview him one of these days. Um, he's a very serious fellow in that you know, he really likes looking after mm. um, the, the young players in the game and making sure that they're not getting you know, ill-advised and, and that it's, kind of thing as far as their money is concerned. And, yeah. it, it, does he have, who's his employer? Is it the league or does he have, is he with, attached to a club? Or he's, what's he's, he's employed by the NRL, okay, yeah, cool. yeah. yeah. He's one of those um, uh, ambassador, ambassador people. But, yeah. but he, yeah, he does actually have a, a proper role with the game. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because yeah. I had this topic of conversation came up with, um, yeah, somebody I mentioned a while back, Jesse Williams, the, oh, yeah. the ex-NFL player oh, yeah. uh, who is based in Brisbane. But you, does, you interviewed him, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, does a bit of mentoring and, you know, is, yeah. is really in tight with, with, uh, with the Broncos organisation and says the same thing that you, uh, yeah, that, um, that there's, and it is a resource question. Like you know, yeah. like the, the you know, the more money you have lying around, you can or available, you can actually fund more uh, people to kind of do this, do this kind of work. But yeah. it's it really is vital. Like I mean, one of the things that we're kind of figuring out is that um, the more and more that you know, kind of the money explodes in sport, that uh, you know, your your investment really is people, and if you know they're having problems, kind mm. of away from away from the field, that kind of then comes home to kind of uh, to roost in, in, in kind of their performance, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, uh, on the field. Yeah, uh, mm. you've, you've really got to take care of, um, yeah, uh, of those things uh, at home or kind of in their, in their social environment. And, you know, Definitely. To, that was, that was uh, Jesse's contention that, you know, yeah. you know they, they sink, you know, kind of half a million bucks into these guys at the age of 20 and <laughs> then, you know, they don't look after them. No, like, you know, I mean no. that's they're, they're, yeah. So it's they're like cattle, aren't they? You, you've yeah. served your purpose, so move on. We need to bring somebody else in. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But, no, it's good to know that um, there's a bloke like George out yeah. there looking after the young blokes, you know, um, uh, welfare and, and, and that kind of thing. So I'd, after the conversation, I'd talk to him for about twenty twenty five minutes. After it, I thought, Jesus, you know, um, th- these players are really lucky to to have somebody like that in their corner. So mm. you'll have to um, have a yarn to him for the either the mag or the or the podcast. You should, you should do like a fake cover and yeah. present it to him. Ah, yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. During that time. That's right. We should get our designer working on uh, That'll be awesome. weekly fake covers. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, and so what are you most looking forward to? Um, we're running out of football, you know. Like, it's nearly over. It's nearly dried a laugh. You say that. Well, no, you, I think you should go first on this one. What are you, you most looking forward to? Yeah, so, actual, actual games. so this week um, we've got the last, um, third and last England versus New Zealand game. England having wrapped up the series. But um, going on as well over in, um, over in Europe is the Rugby League European Championship. It's a four-team, three-week tournament involving France, Ireland, Scotland and Wales. So the top two teams automatically go through to the 2021 World Cup. Mm. I think France has wrapped up, or yeah, on for and against, of course, it all depends, but I think France has pretty much wrapped up one spot. Uh, they've got a plus 50 differential after two two games, um, and it's just one, one week to go. Uh, France and Scotland um, are playing, and then you've got Wales and Ireland. So the other two teams have to... I think you know, there's, a, there's this thing called the European Playoff Qualifying Competition. So it's a little bit like the soccer in that. Mm. Unless the Socceroos qualify against Uruguay or whoever, if they don't win, they get taken Which, back into this They jungle. basically have another chance to yeah, qualify yeah. beyond there. Yeah. They have another chance. But the to be fair, all four of them played in the last World Cup. So that's right, yeah. They'll probably all end up, end up there. But um, my point was I was really... Um, excited to see Fox Sports putting them on. Mm. Like you'd have the England versus New Zealand game live at an hour that not many of us are going to catch it because they've been playing in the daytime over in Britain. But yeah, so you'd have the replay of that game. Plus they'd also tack on this um, a broadcast of this European Championship and I just want to congratulate them for showing that sort of thing. Like that, that kind of game wouldn't be broadcast even a couple of years ago. But mm. we're seeing pretty much everything being played and, and you can either live stream it or broadcast or you know catch it on pay tv or whatever so mm. i think it's really good it's really good time to be a what an amazing rugby. world we live in <laughs> yeah. you can watch like last last week i um was france versus ireland i thought ireland would blow france off the park but of course ireland doesn't have all its nrl stars like it did at mm. the world cup but yeah yeah it did set there was only a few thousand people at wherever it was being played but yeah, it's that's the game, isn't it? I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, 
yeah, basically, I'm going to be looking forward to that that uh, last round of the European Championship. I suppose. I'll, yeah. I'm not going to watch it live because I don't think it's on live. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to watch the England New Zealand game live either. Why, why not? Because um, I mean, they're on like 1:30 a.m. and you know, I conk out pretty, <laughs> pretty early <laughs> most most nights. Um, cool. So, what are you looking forward to? Uh, return of preseason. Really, like yeah. you know, like you know, guys are you know, guys. Yeah. Are, we we joke there is no off season, and um, mm. you know, strictly speaking, it is the off season in, yeah. in, for the league. But uh, yeah, they're back at work. I, yeah. think, I think people don't. Uh, the Raiders came back first, didn't they? I yeah, think. Uh, people don't kind of I think realize that sometimes. Like we've got more casual fans that um, mm. yeah, really. Um, I think everyone comes back halfway through February, and uh, it's time that, to pick a ball up. Yeah, was that the old way they used to do it? They I wouldn't come back until after the new year. Like, yeah, because, because now everyone, like, you know, all yeah. the, I think all the footy clubs basically, um, yeah, once November kicks in, um, yeah. even that October kicks in there. Yeah. They have them, they have them back. And then, and then Christmas happens and then I think they have a battle. Then they, yeah, then they break, then they break for Christmas and then, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, um, they, they, they kind of scale upwards, mm. but, um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, um, yeah, <laughs> a lot of work kind of goes, I often find like this time of year, um, just even from our, from our kind of rather selfish perspective it's good when you can get out to them now because they, they're just yeah they're what am I trying to express it they're a bit more relaxed in the yeah. sense that you know they're thinking kind of a lot more they're kind of like it's like that you know kind of brainstorming space that you sometimes get into at work yeah. and that's kind of now for uh, for teams they're kind of looking at yeah, yeah uh, kind of what they've got and kind of what they can improve and um, I think you're right you know I always like it when um, like for example uh when you get these crossovers between clubs, like you know, like for example, when oh, uh, yeah, you love when this. yeah, when South and uh, Port uh, Port Power from the BKG got together last year, and <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, that turned out to be good fun, and you, you get all those kinds of interesting intersections, kind of at uh, yeah. at this time of year, and, um, and you get some fresh perspectives yeah, too. Yeah. Remember, um, you can really get locked into what you're doing, like like when they yeah, when exactly. I ask, you know, kind of. One of my most common questions when I interview kind of football-related subjects, both uh, any code, is um, yeah. I ask, you know, during the season, like, do you actually kind of, like, like kind of try to innovate on anything? Or are you really just trying to kind of build yourself into a, into a routine? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, and then and, 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 yeah, to just get the work done. Or to, it really is maintenance. Because you know you play the games, and that's where you, you reserve your effort for. Definitely. And the other stuff is really just to get back, get you back and ready for the game. So like oh, this whole idea that you can start a season and then do, you know, change things, um, is, yeah. Sometimes you can, but in the main, it's not. Like they, they really just turn up for work, try to do the work. You know, yep. I mean, they of course they you know kind of like will nibble at the edges of strategy and um, especially when and there's players and that sort yeah, of thing. and personnel, right? But. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It really is. Once you get into the week to week, it is a bit of a grind. It is yeah. kind of like a, you know, um, like critical decision. Like a lot of people say that, you know, you know <laughs> particularly in terms of when it comes to like assembling your roster, a lot, a lot of people love to say that you win the premiership in, you know, in this month. But uh, yeah, yeah. it, um, I think, in terms of the way kind of clubs kind of you know, set things up, uh, I, these months kind of are a bit underrated. Probably, I, I did say, yeah, I, I agree with all that. I reckon this is a very important part of the year. Yeah, mm. especially like, you know, especially at club level too. You've got all the 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 budgets being worked out for the whole year, and you know you've got your staff to work out and what's going to happen. You know, with, with this player, and is he going to hang around? And do we have to start looking for somebody else? It's, I love all that sort of stuff. It's yeah. very American, isn't it? Well, yeah. I couldn't help but notice that you know, Can- Can- money bullish. Canterbury so. put out like a. a a press release the other day talking about their football department reorganization and uh, you know, <laughs> you're looking at that it was, it was kind of interesting like you know that, uh, that they, they mentioned that Steve George Alice had been promoted you know from the interest you know from he won you know, won the interest uh, premiership with that side and then he got promoted to um, assistant coach yeah. yeah and you know you know one of the other things that was mentioned there is that uh, they've hired their first ever skills coach <laughs> what seriously so there you go Wow. Yeah, they didn't up until now. The Bulldogs have not cared about skills. <laughs> you need skills. God. Just just um, before we move on. you get yeah. Someone to blame if the skills go bad. <laughs> well, there is, isn't there? If Lachlan Lewis throws his first pass, you know, kind of just out of bounds. You yeah. Know, first, you know, first set of the season. Bam. Blame skills. Guy. If you're there and you're the skills guy, mm. you, everyone is looking at you. 
They are. Yeah. What what did you didn't you tell didn't you teach him how to pass the ball properly? <laughs> it must be terrible. Like, you know, it's like, you know, you know, you know, like, you know exactly. Yeah. Someone drops a pass. Why did why did you teach him to catch? Home as <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mr. Burns with his home run strategy. Yeah, exactly. You, you get some really good strawberry. perspectives yeah. when you yeah, Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> Daryl Strawberry. Um, you get some great perspectives when you interview players at this time. Like yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't remember where I saw it. it Might have even I think it was on Twitter. Somebody, one of the independent uh, news sites, it was interviewing uh, Croker down in Canberra, and they were asking asking him about returning to pre-season training so early and that kind of thing. And he said, "Well, if you don't want to come back so early, you know, you, you really have to be playing finals footy." <laughs> so that was so brutal. It's like that is such that's a that's a reality, isn't mm, it? Like mm. we're, we're back here because we have to be back here. Mm. And, yeah, this was really cool. Um, I mean, they do play football for a living. Yeah, that's yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not. I a, thought you were going to say like Cro- Crocker said, "No, well, it's Canberra, and it's really boring." So, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, yeah. what else are we going to do? Just play footy. It's like Penrith. Um, Cam Serraldo at the Penrith presentation night. Mm. This is like the start of August. Uh, you know, he gets up on the on the podium and starts talking about what's going on around the club lately, and and he said. I was I was at at the um, academy building the other day. And he said he saw like eighteen blokes on the training equipment and stuff. Mm. It's like holy, like the pre- the off season hasn't even started yet, and you got blokes doing that. So maybe parents like Canberra, maybe <laughs> <laughs> I'm from there. I can say that. <laughs> uh, the November issue of Inside Sport is still out there, isn't it? Cricket, uh, cricket related. Is that right? Are we, or, 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 when does December come out? Next week? Um, December next out, week. December's out next week. So yes, yeah. November. Let's talk November. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, and December will be, will be out on uh, next Thursday. Uh, so, for all those people, yeah. I just thought I'd mention it because, yeah. yeah. We're still in the thick of like talking about the, uh, the culture of Australian cricket. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, we've got a fantastic piece in there by uh, Robert Tran. Uh, very much uh, lands squarely in the uh, in the in the big issue of the moment. So yeah, yep. it, uh, yeah, I could really commend uh, that uh, you read it. Very <laughs> for those rugby league fans of you, like James, who who uh, it's it's rugby league one, but Schadenfreude about cricket is is uh, is one a. Like, yeah. James is James's sporting passions are rugby league and anti cricket is number is number one a. So yeah, can I break? Can I go into this a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Rugby league and Australia and and hating the fact that Australia thinks that its cricket team is the best, no matter who's playing for it. Um, we're perfect. Nobody else is. I can't believe Smith and Warner. Have, uh, uh, there's talk that they might come back early from their suspensions. Well, I've said it on here before. Mm. All this crap about the baggy green and how important <laughs> it is to play for Australian and, and that's historic. Don Bradman, you know, the vibe, all that. <laughs> we play with the ball when we're perfect and get penalised and so let's bring them back early. It's like... um. Yeah. Oh God. I think we should talk about something else. <laughs> I can't help but note then that uh, that Pat Howard, the high performance manager, yep. uh, he he got he just uh, he, he was planning to leave after the Ashes and uh, you know, instead has been axed today. Uh, Pat Howard is an interesting figure, of course, because he played Union. Yeah. So here's a question for you, James: <laughs> Who should, if cricket had to bring in someone from rugby league to be their new high performance manager? Yeah. Who should they bring in? Hyper, um, as high in, performance manager. They brought in a high performance manager from rugby union. Yeah. Why shouldn't they bring in a high performance manager from rugby league? Because I reckon that's a really good um, role for the coach to have. <laughs> Aren't you? Is uncoaches in charge of high performance? <laughs> when Des goes in in a year's time and sits, sits across from Scott Penn and he questions why the team isn't performing very highly. Mm. Des isn't going to, um, you know, shirk away from that, is he? It's his responsibility. Honestly, this is the kind of thing that I think uh, someone like Wayne Bennett, yeah, Wayne should yeah. have should have done. Um, I like Wayne, Wayne Bennett should have like yeah done the jump. Like you know, he's like just like when Rick Charlesworth was uh, yeah. was like milling around AFL oh, clubs. God, he's a good one. Yeah. yeah, so I, I think Wayne. Yeah, this is or yeah, this is, I think this is like kind of should be the, Wayne's kind of last last job to do. Although I think he's desperate to win one more premiership, isn't he? He is. Yeah, but. Um, I think the problem of like of bringing Wayne in is, uh, you know, he'd be hired, you know, and then Shane Warne would criticise him because, you know, <laughs> well, because Shane Warne wouldn't know who he is. Because you 
because most of the Victorians on the side, the South Australians on the side, wouldn't know who Ben was. <laughs> he wouldn't. Did I get out of that question okay, or do, do I need to answer it? Uh, I can't think I, of I think you've got to drill down to the real reason, but, you know, I a think A high-performance manager from league who would help a cricket team. No, I just, I, I was expecting you to, like, you know, say something ridiculous, like, you know, <laughs> like, I, uh, I can do that as well. Like Neil Henry or, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Trent Barrett. <laughs> Billy Slater. Brilliant. Billy Slater, because, you know, Billy's not busy anymore. <laughs> I love Trent Barrett. Yeah, let's do that. Trent Barrett. Brian Smith. <laughs> He's at the Warriors, I think. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to a new um, thing that we've got going, and I'm very pumped about this. Yes, James is. Yeah. He's so, excited about this. So over over the last uh, year, yeah, 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 this season... Um, I've really gotten right into interviews and, um, you know, interviews with this podcast and, and there's lots of avenues in our magazine to um, interview former legends and, you know, stars of, of the retro era and that kind of thing. And um, so on the, our Inside Sport website at the moment, we've got this new retro hub uh, where they're all just sitting there all together, all these stories and, and posts about you know, stars from the 80s and 90s, and yeah, um, I'm, I'm just very excited about it. <laughs> um, this week I, I put up a, a feature that we had back in our third issue uh, from March 1992, and it was about Wally Lewis preparing for his role as captain coach of the Gold Coast Seagulls. Are you sure that's Wally? That could be any dude with his face being covered by the ball. I know, I know. They got a special photographer to go out there and, and shoot Wally Lewis at Seagull Stadium and and uh, yeah, didn't somebody have, inform, see his face in the didn't somebody inform that the idea you know, the photographer that where you want the ball is basically about kind of halfway down so you can see his face <laughs> maybe the whole idea is that you know Wally was so famous that you know he's like Michael Jordan all you had to do is have the Wally silhouette Wally. and everybody everybody knew who it was everybody yeah, yeah exactly the Wally silhouette with the little moustache <laughs> and it's like that's Wally well, it's there yeah, yeah maybe that, that's what happened but um, yeah, so it's all there, all the recent posts that, that we've been doing, all the interviews, there's the Flow interview, there's mm. Greatest Rugby League Upsets of All Time that we've based a podcast around, uh, Gary Jack chat, there's the Brett Doherty thing, there's um, a column from The Raging Bull that we had in the magazine, there's interview with Ben Eichen, and um, there's lo- lots of stuff there. And, and f- so following on from the um, Wally Lewis story post, um, I had a look at the, our um, archives from our first few issues, and I'll put all these up um, yeah, in, in the coming weeks. The idea, yeah. I guess, the thing that we're kind of kind of launching through this pod is that um, yeah, we, we want to mine kind of the magazine uh, yeah. for for some like some of the really outstanding kind of stories oh. that we've done kind of about Lee and the magazine. Yeah. Um, next year will turn twenty eight. Like our really? first, yeah, our first uh, issue came out in late nineteen ninety one. So you know that's that's a fair bit of uh, of uh, historical distance now, a quarter cent- a quarter century plus, you yeah. know, to kind of appreciate what um, like kind of what was you know kind of what these stories tell about the, that moment in time, and you know yeah. I, I kind of yeah managed the archive here for for a bit as well, and yeah, I, think, I think this is a, I think this is a magnificent kind of um, kind of initiative on your part, James, to kind of get some of these really great stories back uh, back you know into circulation online. I think um, kind of the listeners to this pod will will, will really enjoy it. I mean, yeah. some of the people who have written for this magazine, um, it's it's really quite impressive and makes you wonder why you have to instead read you know Jay Centenary and. Jay Smith's uh, <laughs> words <laughs> these days, as opposed to you know, like you know, um, whether you know had been like Roy Masters or, or Ian Heads or Andrew Webster or, or in particular Daniel Williams, who I think just wrote some outstanding kind of long form yep. uh, league pieces, yeah, through the through the nineties and into the new decade. So HG Nelson had a go. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's really kind of uh, it, uh, it's kind of going to be an exciting thing to kind of like reengage with uh, with the, some of these stories that um, and. Yeah, are we, are we going to kind of tease some of the ones that, uh, that yeah, that uh, that were you're uh, looking to kind of um, that that are in the queue, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of the next uh, uh, next few uh, weeks and months. I haven't I haven't read them myself, but I was just look, having <laughs> a, having a look at what there is in there. Yeah. And uh, there's a, um, a feature story on Peter Sterling written by Neil Cadigan from 1992. There's another uh, story by Graham Bicknell who wrote the Wally Lewis one called The Silence of the Broncos. And there's there's one. Um, Involving Graham Lowe and Mark Graham at Manly, 
Uh, there's a Peter Jackson feature story. Then there's something called um, an audience with Warren with Warren Ryan, um, put together by our um, um, late former editor Greg Hunter, mm. which I'm really looking forward to checking out and, and getting right into. So I'm, I'm going to be discovering these um, as they go on on the website as well. So, but what you've been up to is you, you've raved and. And so has well, um, yeah, there's a, here's a few I can tell. Um, yeah. There's a 1993 uh, story, if I can recall correctly, about M- M- uh, Marty Bella, yeah. which might be close to one of the best profiles that was ever written. It's a Inside Sport, uh, written by Daniel yeah. Williams. Yep. Uh, you know, it was one of those pieces where, you know, you, you kind of get an impression about a guy by how he plays on the footy field. And Bella was kind of completely, like, kind of not what you'd expect off it. Right. Like, you know, kind of uh, maybe in character, like, you know, he was, he was kind of as complex as you might imagine. But, you know, uh, yeah, he, he was, you know, Bella was an educated guy, wasn't he? He was like a, he was, yeah. like, he was, a, it was what was he, doctor or, you know, a medical practitioner or something like that. I don't so, know. I'm going to be. I really reading. should read the story. But, yeah, anyhow, anyhow, like, you know, read the story and kind of read what, you know, some of his teammates thought about him. Like, you know, uh, Matthew Lodge was, is, I think, one of the more interesting kind of, kind of, uh, players uh, have come along in rugby league in terms of perspective yeah. uh, offers some really really fascinating thoughts about you know about playing with Bella being in the same locker room as Bella wow. uh, yeah um, there's another couple of stories that I, I think uh, you know we should kind of that would be good to you as a, as a project yep. uh, again in a 1993 story and then a later one uh, both about Ian Roberts the first written by oh, Danny Weidler and uh, the second one written by Damien Lovelock yep. and shows kind of Kind of the life cycle, the career cycle that, that, that Ian Roberts kind of traveled in the 90s. Oh, yeah. In a way that, you know, we don't probably appreciate it well enough. That, you know, here we stand, kind of, we think ourselves a bit more enlightened in this day and age, yeah, and yet yeah. still only the one out footballer, right? That's still right. Out kind of. There hasn't been one single player main, since then. Exactly. Mm. So, you know, that that's one that I think we'll, we'll um, bear visiting. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one that, um, that I. Um, particularly like is uh, the magazine in, in one of its high uh, in, in in those kind of in its first few years I think was, was a really good kind of source resource um, around the time of Super League right? yeah. in it because it was there um, you know, and the thing about the, the great split was it, it only happened in the sport it happened in the media too you kind Definitely of had right. you know you had basically the cheerleaders on new side back in their corporate vision of the game, and then you had kind of everyone else. You know, you had the other side mm. who you know resented them for it. Never, uh, forget, I think, never forget that P. Zackham and Paul Vaughan. Exactly, class. exactly. Which I think is one of the greatest <laughs> things that ever happened in rugby league. Yeah, but yeah. You know, I think one of the things that you know com- Inside Sport covers itself in glory with during that period is I think it is really an honest kind of broker in terms of the yeah. debate over. Well, you read pieces where they're fa- you know they they favor you know the, the points that are right or kind of give an outlet to. Um, say a John Rebo in a in a very kind of uh, profound interview. Wow! In, in other places, they defend you know the, you know the honor and tradition of the game that had been kind of um, had been carried by you know the clubs, the ARL clubs up till that point in time. Yeah. But you know, there's there's just a lot of interesting perspectives. Um, but like in the middle of that, there's like a story that you know kind of the bits and pieces of the of the culture at the time. Uh, one that kind of intrigued me, uh, a feature that always stuck with me was. Um, um, I've forgotten the writer's name. I think it's something like Matthew Fines Clinton. I'm not familiar with him uh, very well, but uh, he wrote a story about Garrick Morgan oh, yeah. when he was signed by uh, the South Queensland Crushers. He had just been acclaimed as the best union player in the world, uh, and he was working as a sales representative at uh, a, a, a Castleman Brewery. Oh, yeah. And so this was still back in the day that you know he probably left uh, union about 12 months before it professionalized, but. That it, it it looks like such an anachronism today. The old the I you know and that was a common old story, right? That you know, yeah. you know union blocks jumped a league because they wanted to be paid for playing football, which yeah. they couldn't get in the fifteen man card. So it's it's a really kind of interesting story. And as we, you know, we, we didn't you know kind of know it at the time, but it didn't pan out very well for Gary. No, he was only there a year. Exactly, he, he, did, he didn't make he didn't cut it in in in, in league. So. <laughs> It's just an interesting, and that's the beauty of kind of like looking at these stories to kind of yeah. revisit predictions that didn't hold up, things that were borne out to be true and not to be true, uh, but mm. but other things too that have have kind of a lasting relevance mm. and resonance 
even even up until now. So yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, if you're listening to this pod, I'm pretty sure that you're you're kind of the target audience for <laughs> this type of material. Some of you hopefully might have you know been subscribers to the magazine back until then, and yeah, you know yeah. love to hear what you think. Um, kind of you know kind of the stories that you liked. Or loved, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think this is yeah, some great material coming, uh, coming, and um, yeah, the internet is one of the good things about the, of all the bad things about the internet. This is one of the good things that the internet can do. I mean, it's uh, your ability to uh, to kind of keep things like this alive. Yeah, no, and um, there's, there's a lot of other sports too that we can get into. We we can also put. Um, the BKG uh, old oh, yeah. retro stories about that. Do we really want to do <laughs> <laughs> um, cricket? There's lots of good cricket stuff. Yes, yeah, that's um, yeah. Look out for that. You remember that golden age of, of uh, World Series cricket back in mm. you know early nineties, late eighties? Like yeah, just it was, it was a great uh, time. So there's, there's, there's lots of lots of material there. I just wanted to um, ask you, like, I mean, I suppose you're not into the retro stuff as much as I am, but mm. what, what do you reckon it is about the retro sporting kind of thing and then retro in life and nostalgia and that kind of thing? Listen, it, are you asking specifically weird. specifically in the rugby league context or are you asking kind of in just in general? Yeah, in general. Because, because I've, got, I've got two different answers for, yeah. for either. I, I think what it is is when, like maybe when you get to a certain age yeah. and, and you have a look at your station in life, yep. And That's definitely part of it. Yeah, um, that was it, one part of my answer. Yeah, and and I don't know, you everything back when, when you were a kid seemed to be perfect, didn't it? it seemed to be really, seemed to be great, and um, we, we've grown up with our parents saying how good life was when when they were kids. So this isn't new, mm. but I don't. But but the um, the interest and the um, publishing of nostalgic material that has that is something that has come along, especially I've noticed. In the last five or ten years, and especially with um, things like the NRL purchasing the Rugby League Week archive, and, and this is um, a bit of a, a copy of what they what they've been up to. But um, this is where I actually got got the idea of doing something ourselves. I don't know. It, it's, it's just exploded in popularity, especially over the last five years, hasn't it? Because I'll give you. A, this. <laughs> What you just said was basically the second part. Of it. it was was one of the answers I was going to give. Like okay. it, it, there really is a dimension in terms of, you know, kind of phase of life, and you know, <laughs> it's always kind of interesting to see, kind of like talk to someone and like, kind of have them, you know, try to you know, when they actually wax nostalgic to kind of have them uh, uh, so, you know, kind of locate what time that is around because now we're, yeah. we're, we're getting old enough to kind of to have, you know, have some <laughs> kind of length on that on that horizon line. I will say one thing in, in the context of rugby league specifically, yeah. because you know I come from as I've made abundantly clear before in this previous, I come from kind of outside the yeah, league culture. Yeah. So, you know, you know, for me, the '80s is not nostalgia because I, I wasn't here. I didn't uh, I, or I wasn't exposed to kind of you know '80s league. Um, so it's not kind of kind of in my bones that nostalgia. Like if I'm nostalgic for anything in Australian sport, it's probably the NBL of, of the yeah. 1980s because that's <laughs> what I was exposed to. But I will make this point like because I said specific, that's why I asked to make the distinction between league or sport in general. I think league is is quite nostalgic specifically. Yeah. for that 1980s period and and you know as I've watched the game and kind of read about the history and come to understand why I think that the reason for that is the 80s were a bit of a golden age yeah in definitely. the sense that it was the the time that that NS, the NSWRL and and league the league the wider league community began to think about the possibilities for the game yeah. in, in in a very optimistic way and you know when you you know you, you kind of put that together, you know, you know, with Tina Turner, yeah. and you know, kind of the growing kind of footprint of the game, uh, uh, origins, you know, kind of, uh, kind of, uh, kind of growth uh, in its in its first in its takeoff phase, mm. just um, a wonderful set of uh, star personalities yeah. running around uh, running around the game at the time. Definitely. I think, and and when you look at something like. I can remember reading on Twitter when when Rugby League we went we went under, 
there was one tweet, and I apologize that you know I can't remember who actually made the tweet because I think it was it wasn't it, from that awesome Winfield Cup account, was it? Probably not, <laughs> you know, because that's probably joking about the past. <laughs> but you know, one of the things that really stuck with me, and I'll have to dig it out you know, to give proper credit. But they said yeah. that if you looked at the covers, because it was a tweet that contained some of the covers of, of Rugby League Week, and yeah. here we are, like you know, kind of praising a magazine that's not our own. Um, <laughs> but they made the point that you know. It was a period in the get, a period in time when the game took itself a little less seriously, Definitely and they were right, showing right. these covers yep. of like you know Peter Sterling dressed up as a cowboy and other yeah. dudes like in various funny poses. Wally Lewis you know. in in um, yeah. yeah pirate garb oh, or yeah, something in a chef's outfit like you know like yes yeah, just this kind of thing. Yeah, and I think it really was it really was like you kind of had an overlap between the the game kind of the semi professional game the suburban game. That was still just like a little bit above, you know, your park footy, mm. and you, you had a bit of an overlap with a game that was fast, like becoming a real, true modern professional sport. So there was mm. still kind of a, a sweet spot there, which I think we've kind of gone way past now. It's it's all gone. It's all become just a bit more joyless. Yeah, yeah. And now it's, it's very polished now. Isn't yeah, it? exactly. You know, you yeah. you say to yourself, oh, like most of the mo- you know, hot modern young hot young players now. Wouldn't deign to do some of those covers. No, that, that you know some of those the, you know the, some of those plays, and they were the biggest superstars of the game because back then. Because somebody would come that. along and say, um, "Are you realizing what's this doing to your image?" Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, I yeah. I get I really do get a sense that um, yeah that you know the eighties are looked back you know as that as that period of real promise for the game yeah. that gave way to a nineties that you know because of and maybe there's a historical kind of hindsight talking that you know because of the Super League split kind of yeah. became a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. And then arguably I'd say that, I don't know, like it, it, this is this stance that we, we've had this debate, you know, often. Yeah, I, I don't think the 2000s were a great time. No. You know, the early, two, particularly early 2000s were a great time for rugby league. I don't, mm. like, but you know, that's, that's by <laughs> the by. Yeah, so yeah, I, you know, yeah. I can understand why nostalgia tends to be a function as you describe of kind of whoever is making the decisions of like you know kind of around what we pay attention to at the time so if you're like you know for us 40 year old blokes Mm. you know like remembering like what it was you know when we liked the game when we were like 12 years old and and becoming teenagers you know 30 years ago i'm pretty sure that you know another 10 years from now the nostalgia will probably be 90s focused but probably or even kind of dragging out into the 2000s but in the main i can can see why there is kind of a fixation on the 80s because it was i think a really good time uh a good time for the sport arguably and you know kind of one of the things that i you know kind of looking at it in parallel with the bkg as i tend to do um the 70s was that for the the vfl like the the 80s was uh, was good too but you know there you know so there are a lot of people have some fealty to that but yeah. they tend to think of their golden age as the, as the 70s. Right, okay. Yeah, maybe it's a bit of a... It's a rustic thing too because yeah. the game is so polished. The Yeah, everything about it is marketed so well. Yeah. And and that Tina Turner era was the very start of, of, of what we what we live through now. Yeah. I remember there was... Um, I can't remember whether it was an 89 or 90... Maybe it was a 88 grand final. I can't remember, but there's footage of, of the grand final, and they shot to the uh, Winfield Cup trophy, and it wasn't locked in a case or, or or it didn't have security guards next to it or anywhere. It was sitting on the grass. It was, there was an electrical cable that was going underneath. It, it was sitting sort of skewy, half mm. kind of tilted, and I thought, wow, that's the the game's ultimate prize that all the the ads were made from, and you know. Yeah. Yeah, Tina singing, you know, do you want this prize and all that sort of thing. And there it was, it was sitting on the grass waiting to be picked up by one of the captains at the end. I, I think that's what people miss about life as well, especially um, at, at our age. Yeah, things seem to be a little bit more raw and, mm. and, and rustic back then, whereas now it's a little bit more corporatised. And and, um, and you yeah. couldn't watch every game on television. No, you certainly <laughs> couldn't watch the European Championship. You could watch the game again on television. <laughs> and in fact, that Sunday game was on delay. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, one hour of it you got. Yeah. yeah. Between five and six, I think it was. Yeah. Dead set, yeah. Like, yeah. there are some things that, you know, like, and that's the that's always the trick with nostalgia. Things kind of get kind of, uh, kind of 
gauzy in your memory yeah. and then if you actually remember some of the things that there <clears throat> were, were the case during that time oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, here I, i'm always banging on about <laughs> that era and how great everything was that first state of origin game i keep saying it one of the worst games of footy i've ever seen and neil cadigan who i was working with at the time at big league he said take that home and it was a video case you know yeah. back in the day he said take that home and watch it and i said what is it he said that's the first origin game ever played and I'm like oh wow so I raced home and watched it and I took it back to work to him the next day he said what did you think I said oh oh geez it was it went for a long time it seemed to go for a long time <laughs> and Kato said mate that is the worst it's game you'll ever see and he's, he's I hate not to say wrong. it more often than not <laughs> I'm beginning to feel that way when I watch old sport oh, but, you yeah. know, even sport I rem- games I remembered loving and thinking they were great matches yeah, yeah. And you begin to think to yourself mm, all right yeah <laughs> it's like when you see they're certainly old... not as played you know they're certainly not played as well as, no. as these days when you see an old game on YouTube and it goes for an hour and a half some game from 1985 or 86, you go, no, I'm not sitting through that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, one of Funny, the other things it? is that, you know, yeah, it's like the point you just made about the trophy. The, the raggedness, the imperfection is yeah. kind of part of the appeal too. Because that was Australia back then, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Like you see um, images of people sitting on the hill at the SCG, at the cricket, they, you know, no shirt. That was, they had eskies next to them, thongs. It was just the ocker sort of yeah. rough age, whereas... Yeah. Yeah, it's a different country now, isn't it? Mm. Um, but that's another, it's another uh, podcast altogether, I suppose. <laughs> um, and yeah. not this one. <laughs> no, 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 we're not going there. The, cult, the culture, <laughs> yeah, the grousing about culture. Uh, but <laughs> so that's um, the actual address is insidesport.com.au forward slash slash retro. So if you go there, I'll, I'll um, pump it out on Twitter. You, you know, use all. all uh, Know about it, know yep. about it. And Yesterday's stuff. news today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if it happened... Where Wally th- Lewis is still the king. If it happened his, 30... face is, his, his face is still covered by the ball. <laughs> yeah, if it happened 30 years ago, you'll hear it here first. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about, mate? Oh, um, what, have we for- what have we forgotten? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, anything we've forgotten? No, no, I've got nothing. Per- perfect me. memory this week? <laughs> yeah. Better than last week. A bit jaded, but no. Um... No, that's that's it, I, I think. All right. <laughs> <laughs> See you later then.